This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 146. And so here I am every week being reminded of, oh my goodness, I, I don't want to be me anymore. I want to be Those that big checks, huh? <laughs> You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What? Is going on? What's up, Josh? Look at me at my standing desk. I fancy. know. Look at the whole new setup. At, well, <laughs> oh, hi, I'm Brandon Turner. I've got a window with a beautiful view behind me. I'm actually I'm standing in nowhere. I'm in my kitchen right now, like dining room on my kitchen table, and uh, that's where I'm recording this because my office is still not set up. But I'm not on the floor like last week or was I was two just weeks skipping ago. your grief because yeah, yeah, I got the nice window. Out your window is ridiculous. Thank you. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's a it's a cool view, but yeah, you know. Cool. How you been doing? What's new? I'm great, man. Doing really well. You know, we're we're plugging away. Got got a whole lot of cool stuff. Super excited over at some point in the coming weeks, maybe month, give or take. We are we are going to be doing a bit of a rebrand with bigger pockets, Ooh. and we, we've been working on some, you know, a new look, feel, logo, design. It's it's very very exciting. I'm I'm jazzed. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. We have something else new as well, which leads us to today's tip. All right, guys, today's quick tip is we just at the time of conversation that we're having a couple days ago, launched our Bigger Pockets Android app. Woo-hoo! Yes. 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 I know. I hear the applause. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you guys have been. Do people use Android? Patient. I, I don't even know what word I just said. Patient. <laughs> Good job. You guys have, have been very patient with us. Uh, and some, yeah, it's probably like 50, okay. 50 Apple That's Android. Right, but, I'm just an uh, Apple fanboy. Come on. Yeah, me too. But we finally uh, released the Android app for bigger pockets. So get on the Google Play Store, download it. Uh, we've got push notifications. We're going to continue to make this thing better and better and uh, check it out. So that's today's quick tip. Quick tip. Cool. There you go. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. 
but he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Want to dive deep into commercial real estate, entrepreneurship, leadership, and the economy? Tune into the Walker webcast hosted by the CEO of Walker & Dunlop, one of the largest commercial real estate finance and advisory services firms in the nation. As an unparalleled leader in commercial real estate, CEO Willie Walker frequently appears as an expert on major platforms like CNBC and the New York Times. He's even been on the Bigger Pockets podcast network too. On the Walker webcast, you'll hear from guests like A-Rod, renowned economist Dr. Peter Linneman, and experts from Walker and Dunlop's capital markets, research, and investment sales groups. So fire up the Walker webcast on your favorite podcast app or join live on Wednesdays to see Willie interact with his guests. Plus, you can always catch the replay on demand afterward. Stay ahead of the curve with insights for life from the Walker webcast. Learn more and subscribe to the Walker webcast at walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. And be sure to follow Walker and Dunlop on all your favorite social media channels too. That's walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. Hey, really quick, please jump on iTunes if you guys have a second. Leave us a rating review. Those things help us out. They're great to read. Brandon and I get a lot out of them. They keep us pumped. They keep us motivated. And uh, frankly, they help other people find out about us. So uh, please take a few minutes to jump on iTunes. Leave us a rating review. If you haven't done that, Stitcher, SoundCloud, other places, you can do that as well. Thank you. All right, guys. And so for today's show, we've got Enrique Jevons. Enrique is a real estate investor who has scaled a pretty impressive business and uh, investing business of his own properties and has also scaled a pretty impressive management business. We talk all about it. We definitely get into word of mouth. How do you build a business through word of mouth? And, and it's fascinating. It's, yeah. it's really cool stuff. Uh, Enrique is an amazing guy. We've got lots of great tips. And let's get to this thing. All right, Enrique, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, glad to have you. Uh, Enrique, your name is Enrique, was it Jevons? We just talked about this a minute ago. That is a very Spanish first name and a very English last name. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah that's exactly it. So actually, yeah, I'm actually 100% bilingual. So I Are you well, really? maybe 95% Spanish. Uh, I want to do the entire show in Spanish. Okay, vamos a hablar. Está bien conmigo. I don't know what already. the hell he said, but you know. <laughs> That sounded like a good idea at first. But, yeah. <laughs> it's actually been really helpful. So that was in my previous career in the hotel industry. It was really helpful because of all the uh, housekeepers that we employed in, in California. But certainly now I have uh, a pretty sizable chunk, maybe about 25% of the tenants that I have are uh, Spanish speaking. Of them, maybe 15% are Spanish only speaking. And so it's, it's actually helped out with my growth tremendously to be able to speak Spanish. I want to go there. I want to get into that. That sounds fascinating. I think it's super smart to to focus on niches and particularly a niche that you can dominate on and being bilingual, that's that's a, a great way to do it. Let's get there before we do. Let's take it back. You talked about the hotel business. Talk yep. about your journey from you know professional yeah, yeah. to, to so, becoming a real estate investor and manager. Yeah, this started out, I got a degree, got my Bachelor of Science, went into the hotel industry just because that's 
was my original true passion. And, and so I was in that for a good 21 years. Nice. Uh, and I worked myself all the way up to becoming general manager of a uh, Marriott hotel. It was a Marriott residence in, in Palo Alto, California. And so I thought that, I mean, that was my goal always was, you know. Was that where homeless engineers uh, would, would spend yes. their days because they couldn't afford to live anywhere else? You know, the, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's where they spend their days. And I tell you, they're, uh, yeah, they got plenty of money. For so they're, they're not homeless, but well, yeah. It's a, it's a tough market. It's, it's a crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy world. So, um, yeah, I thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to be general manager. I'll be, you know, at the top. And, but then once I become general manager, I realized that, no, that I still had to answer to somebody. I mean, there was still the owner of the hotel. And, and then there's also, because Marriott's are predominantly franchised, and this one was, that there's also Marriott Corporation, you know, that I'm answering to. But it was really then with the rich dad, poor dad, reading the, reading the book. Nice. nice. And there I am. Every week, I sign a check. Signed all the checks. We do check runs weekly. And so uh, once a week, I'm signing all these checks. And one of the checks, of course, is to the owner. And so here I am every week being reminded of, oh, my goodness. I, I don't want to be me anymore. I want to be Those that big guy. checks, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be the owner. <laughs> Wait a second. I'm not at the top yet. I'm nowhere near the top. Nice. So it, um, and, you know, I'd only meet with the owner uh, in the beginning, it was like once every three months, and then pretty soon it was once every six months. Wow. And he had no knowledge, really, of the hotel industry. That, that wasn't his background. And so he's a developer. And he's pretty much a re- tired developer because he did so well. And so, you know, he's making a ton of money for some very good investments. So obviously he took risk and now comes his reward. And, but I decided, you know, I'm just making a paycheck and and I would much rather, you know, go out on my own and and be able to, to try and become that owner. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. how how did that transition happen? You know, you were definitely in there for yeah, 21 years is forever. So, yeah. you yeah. know, Stepping away couldn't have been easy. Did you just rip the cord, or did you, you know, start doing stuff on the side? What was the? Plan? Yeah, I ripped the cord, but it took a couple of years to to get the the guts up to actually, yeah, pull the cord. What it was was every year we have some family in Yakima, Washington. So that's just, I mean, Brandon thinks he's in a small town, but at <laughs> least he's got, you know, some normal, some humanity around him. Since You just pissed off half your Exactly. There's places he could go. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, you are a little more out there in, in the, the yeah. middle of a. This is just very rural agricultural town. But every year we we would uh, fly up from the San Francisco area and visit, and and every year we'd talk about with my wife's relatives about the cost of real estate, and I would just every time I'm floored at, at how inexpensive uh, housing is in you know in in a small town compared to you know a large urban area, and so I knew that I wasn't going to be able to buy rentals in in the San Francisco Bay Area. I mean I was just completely priced out of the market there, so. Uh, we decided to to cash out. We had one rental actually, and we had our own single family home. We'd had it for 15 years, and so we had a, a tremendous amount of equity built up in in those 15 years. Yeah, so we we cashed out, moved to Yakima, and then started buying property. And in the beginning, 
and I felt like monopoly money. And I, I was like, oh my gosh, everything's on sale. Well, oh, and I timed it right. Sorry. Um, we moved, we moved in, uh, 2008. So okay. we sold right at the peak. We sold in February of 2008. So I hit, I just, I, I truly hit the peak of the market in the Bay Area. And then everything, tanked and I started buying up properties then in the summer of 2008. And so it really felt like everything was on sale. And oh, yeah. When you say that, just real quick, like what are, what are we talking about price ranges here? I mean, what, what, what does a single family house sell for? Uh, stuff like that. So, well, the, the first property that I, that I purchased in Yakima was a uh, 13 unit apartment complex. And okay. I paid uh, three hundred eighty thousand for it. What? Okay. So oh, yeah, I put twenty five percent down, and got uh, just twenty nine thousand a unit. Well, yeah. So I, w- I want to ask you, why did you start with a thirteen unit? I mean, we people ask that question a lot. Like, should I start with res or multifamily or single family? And well, so I had been researching it for a couple of years. So even though, like, when I quit my job, I actually well. I gave two hours notice. So after 21 years, two hours wow. notice, and I was out the door. I jumped on an airplane and took off because I was closing all the, these deals. I had deals lined up, and so I was closing on them and, and everything, and, and so I needed to fly out immediately to, to take care of it all. But the, in deciding to go multifamily versus single family, it's because, essentially because I had the money and because I knew that to... And this particular property had you know, just excellent cash flows. I mean, just the, the history of it. And it was just from an old couple who had had the property themselves for a good 20, 30 years. And the, but they, you know, they were at the end of their life. As a matter of fact, the, the husband even passed away a few months later. So it, it was just something that they, they took it all the way to where they could no longer manage it. Yeah. So it was a screaming deal. But Multifamily just cash flows better, and there's just so many economies of scale. So my recommendation would be to anybody is get as many units as you possibly can under one roof. It spreads out the risk. If one unit goes vacant, then that's only one thirteenth of the revenue is lost. You know, at that point, versus a hundred percent of your revenue if somebody in a single family home moves out, and then the insurance just. You know, the more units you got under one roof, uh, the uh, versus a single-family home insurance-wise, it's it's more cost-effective. So the the economies of scale just work out much sure. much better. Right on, right on. All right, so you know this thirteen-unit. How'd you find that? I mean, you said it's a screaming deal. Sounds sounds. You know, I don't know what the rents yeah. are, but you know, sounds pretty good. How did you go about finding it for yeah. this this couple? Yeah, for me it was a screaming deal. I mean, the cap rate was about fourteen percent, and and I've been able to increase it from there. So um, that's what I'm referring to. Is yeah, it it worked out. is is a great deal. The um, I actually found this one by using an agent. So this was a an MLS listed property and, and and with an agent. But being that in a real agricultural small or town, essentially there's not a lot of investors with that kind of money and and they had been approached many many times about seller financed and they didn't want to seller finance but they wanted to use the cash for medical expenses and just cash out there you know they weren't going to be sticking around for another 20 30 years to you know get paid off uh, over time so for them it, it worked out better to get cashed out for me i had the cash available so that right there kind of knocked out a lot of the competition 
Sure. Right on. Right on. Awesome. Can you can you kind of walk me through that? Like, here you are as a full time job, a career, like where you had all that, and all of a sudden you're going to quit and then jump into yeah. that. Like, that's a scary prospect for most people. Like, what was your mind yeah. going through during that time? Wait, yeah, and before, really, really yeah. quick, I want to add one one thing. I mean, presumably as a manager of a Marriott hotel, you were making pretty good income. Yeah. I'm assuming. I'm assuming off the thirty thousand dollar a door, you know, building here, mm-hmm. you're not making close to what you were making. So, you know, oh, you had a, right. So, so let's talk about that as well. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a family of five, uh, we've got three kids and, you know, I had spent uh, my entire career, you know, earning a paycheck. And so it was not something I could do in the barrier because I needed to make you know mortgage payments there. However, because then moving to a smaller area, the, we were able to to buy a house, and then we bought it. Uh, I was able to actually get an interest only loan on it, so then my payments were only eight hundred dollars a month when I completely maxed out the, what it was is it was a HELOC, a home equity line of credit in the first position, which is pretty unusual. but what it allowed me to do is because I didn't want to use all the money I had right away, I bought that house. So now I've got that with a line of credit. So sometimes my my interest-only mortgage payments were only $300 a month. Sometimes they'd go up to $800 a month when I use that full line. Then I purchased, you know, the I had the 13 unit. And then very soon after, I bought another 8 unit and then another 8 unit very uh, quickly, all within about a year's time. It's because I had enough money also saved up that because we'd, you know, planning for this, we'd saved up money. Because I had enough money saved up, I realized that it could actually go a whole year without needing a salary. So mm-hmm. I, I knew that we could live for a year without any income whatsoever. And that was, that allowed us enough time to make these purchases, get some cash flow going. But then, yeah, it was still very scary because I knew that it was a one-way ticket. I mean, there was no going back. And so I knew that I was forced to have to make it work. So thank goodness it did. But uh, I guess my fallback plan would have been move to Seattle or someplace. Well, Seattle's still expensive. Move to yeah. someplace affordable and uh, you know get another job in a hotel. I'm sure you would have had no problem finding one. Yeah. Uh, so, so how many units do you currently own now? Yeah, so uh, it's about 100, um, just over 100 units uh, at the moment that, wow. that I personally own. And then I manage another 500 for, uh, for other owners. Wow. The property management company that I have. That's that's significant. A hundred, so a hundred that you own just on your own. I mean, yeah. like maybe you can kind of are those single family? Are they multi? Are they all multifamily? Do you have any single family? Like kind of what's been your strategy the past six seven years? Most of them are multifamily, and that's what I like the best. Okay. But I I do have some single family homes, and actually the ones I purchased more recently have been the single families. But those have been just now that I've kind of established myself. And, and so now it's just much easier. People oftentimes come to me uh, just because that I know that I can buy. So I have a um, couple of different lines of credit. And so I use these lines of credit to go and purchase. But I, I, it's when I get these calls, typically it's, it's uh, you know, they want to close same day. I mean, I'll, I'll get a call from an attorney. He's, he's got an estate that he just needs to, to settle. The, the individual is deceased. He doesn't want to have to have it on the market for six months, and uh, which is 
in the area that I'm at, it, it takes that long oftentimes to, to sell a home. So, hey, and Enrique, quick, quick, quick question. So, are these all located in Yakima, all, all the properties? Yeah, all the properties that I've got that I own are in Yakima. Now, okay. I'm, I'm starting to branch out from there. So I, I just moved, uh, you know, a few months ago now, to uh, to a place called Issaquah, Washington. So another smaller area, but it's a suburb of Seattle. So essentially now I'm in, in the Seattle area. Okay, and and you you had talked about, you know, the attorneys will call you up and and mm-hmm. ask for you know say hey can you close them one day they know you can do that. So yeah. how did you? How did you become that guy, right? I mean, obviously you became that guy. You had the cash, you know, in the first properties and 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 things like that. But you know, how did you become known as that guy? It's one thing to go out and mm-hmm. find a real estate agent broker who can, you know, source deals for yeah. you. How do you kind of expand from there? And all of a sudden, people in Yakima know, like, hey, this guy is the business. This guy is going to close mm-hmm. on deals. Uh, how does that transition happen? So in the beginning, it was talking to a lot of different real estate agents. So I was letting real estate agents know that I'm a buyer. And so because a lot of agents have pocket listings is what they refer to. Pocket listings are listings that agents know about, but they um, are not on the MLS. And sometimes there are owners, and I've got owners myself too that we manage for, that tell me that, you know what, I really would like to sell this property. I don't want to have to go through the trouble of uh, getting it on the MLS or anything else like that because I don't want to spook my tenant. But if you come across a buyer, I'll sell it. Okay, so now I know. Uh, so I was talking to, to agents in the beginning, and then from there it was a lot of networking. So it was, uh, for example, joining the Landlord Association. Pretty much every town has a, a landlord association, which is just a, a immensely wonderful resource. So uh, it was uh, going to those meetings and, and talking to people and letting people know, hey, if you ever get tired of your rental, I'll be happy to buy it. And a lot of times people don't, you know, they're, they're not thinking necessarily ahead of time they really want to sell. But sometimes when they just come across somebody who they get to know a little bit over time and, and they then find out that, yeah, this guy really has, has a lot of, you know, it adds credibility having, you know, the more properties you can get, obviously the more credibility you can have to, to persuade, you know, owners that, hey, look, I can, I can follow through, I can buy from you. Yeah. yeah. You know, I really like what you said, you know, about the pocket listing thing and, and talking to agents, telling them what you yeah. want. You know, I never really, I mean, like, honestly, I never really realized in the past what, like, why in a person would have a po- pocket listing, right? I'm like, well, why not just yeah. list your properties? But now when I think about it, I have said those exact words to my agent <laughs> multiple times is, hey, I don't want to go through the trouble of listing this. But if you happen to know anybody, I would definitely be willing to sell. And so I've got, you know, a number of properties that my agent knows that I would sell. Uh, and yeah, mm-hmm. now, it, I mean, it was like one of those moments that clicks. The pocket list. Yeah, yeah. It, it totally clicks now in my head, like why that is. So anyway, that was, that was cool. You, I guess you I, are blonde. Aren't I, you? I, I, I mean, <laughs> by the way, I was not an agent. Listening. You guys are agents. I don't. Apologies. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Yeah. So. And isn't it insult to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got a, one guy of a tri, uh, an owner of a triplex who I keep trying to tell him. It's been uh, oh, over a year now that you know he's really actually wants to sell this property. But the problem is that he has uh, uh, it's seller financed, and the relationship he has with the seller is such that he doesn't want to let on that he actually is 
essentially he needs to get rid of this property. Yeah. And so that's another reason too for for pocket listing. So they're out there if you talk to agents. Yeah. 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 Hey Enrique, on uh on on the management side, though, you you also have an advantage, right? So you manage properties. You've got five hundred properties under management. Surely you're hearing from tired landlords as well. I mean, I'm sure you mm-hmm. do a good job of managing, but at the end of the day, even if you do a great job, I mean, there's headaches that come up no matter what. So oh, yeah. uh, I'm assuming that's a, a good source of full pocket listings. Yeah, no, definitely. There, there's a lot of uh, a lot of the owners that I've got are actually. They, they don't actually want to own the property. This is with single-family homes. So there's a lot of people that have single-family homes that have moved, and they would have ideally liked to have sold the property, Just but because the market was bad at that particular time, they decided that they're just going to rent it out and, and wait it out until the market improves and then sell it. So I have, I have a lot of properties that are like that as well that I haven't really talked so much about it, but I know because... That's how I acquired the property uh, from them. That under management, that they would actually like to, you know, prefer to sell when you know, whenever the market gets better. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I I just I love that concept of of you know using your network and finding deals through mm-hmm. your network. We've heard that theme a lot lately here on the podcast. Like a lot of our guests have been saying that that their leads are coming from their network and people that they know because yep. they just let people know. So I mean, maybe I'll yeah. just challenge every one of the listeners today. Really, really easy way and free that everybody can go and let everyone you know that you want to buy property. Go right on your Facebook today. Go put a Facebook status. Say, hey, if anybody knows anybody looking to sell a house, I'm looking to buy something in this town. And you know, you got hundreds of Facebook friends. Everyone does. And so there's a very good chance somebody will know somebody who might be wanting to sell and it might give you a good deal. I mean, it takes two That's seconds. That's a great challenge. Thank Nicely you. Nicely done, Brandon. Yeah. Nicely done. Let me, right? let me up this challenge. You, man. Wow. I'm going to up this challenge. So if you guys do that, I want you guys to go in the comment section on the show notes page, which is at biggerpockets.com slash show 146. I want you to go just in the comment section, leave a comment. And then in that comment somewhere, you know, we ask a question or leave a comment for Enrique, but also just say, and I did the Facebook challenge and uh, we're going to pick one person and I'll give them a copy of the new book on Ooh. rental property investing that should be out anytime now. In a couple of weeks still, I think it's coming out, but I'll, I'll give you an early copy as soon as it's published for free. So Ooh, that's nice. my challenge. Yeah. So anybody uh, who does the Facebook challenge, just let me know in the comment section. You like that, Enrique? I do. I do. Good. Cool. Go right on. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. Uh, anyway, I pay for your last book, so I figured. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> thank you for paying for, for the last. Yes. Thank book. you for paying for the book on investing in real estate with no low money down, which people can get at biggerpockets.com/slash no money. <laughs> we got you. You bought it. What do you think? I mean, it's, it's a pretty good book. Oh, yeah. No, it's an awesome book, and thank so you. yeah, it uh, it truly is because it's so just factual nuts and bolts there's there's a lot of you know a lot of books out there that are more kind of um trying to get you motivated they're more motivational books but don't really tell you kind of step by step or or, you know what are the different things involved and different ideas whereas you know oh my goodness yeah it's a great book thanks yeah Yeah, i'm gonna put that on the on the sales page it's a great book enrique jeffins yeah manager of Hundreds yeah. of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Enrique, let, let's get back to you and away from Brandon and his <laughs> super I, I, I like overly talking inflated about me. ego. <laughs> it is very, it's a level ego. It's a level. Oh, ego. it's far from level, my friend. Far from level. All right. So, so you know, you, some of these deals you had talked about, mm-hmm. the MLS, is that where you find the bulk of your deals? I mean, you're finding pocket listings. Are there other sources that, are you doing any kind of marketing to find deals? 
that's how I think I, well, that's how I, I did find things initially. Now, things are, are coming more often to myself. I'm, I'm spending definitely much less time, and, and time is you know, definitely a, an issue for me. So I'm spending less time actually searching because it, you know, it, it does take a long time to just be searching, searching, searching. I'm in a position now where I don't have to buy, so it's, I'm fine if, you know, if, if I go a few months, two, three, four, five, six months without buying something, I'm okay. I start getting a little antsy, but... A little shaky, but right? But I'm okay. Uh, so um, I'm in that fortunate position. Things do snowball, so that's definitely the nice thing is that o- over time, the business definitely snowballs. I mean, right now, too, as far as acquiring new properties to manage, in the beginning, you know, it was really, you know, a lot of pounding the pavement, a lot of, you know, going out there and trying to seek out owners to try and, you know, see if they'll allow me to to manage their property for them. Whereas now, it's all just, it's all coming my way. It's all referral business coming my way. That's great. so we, we talked about you know the word of mouth through the, the networking and you've established the same thing through your management business. Is, are there any tips that you have for the listeners to expedite the transition from a active marketing to a more passive word of mouth growth business model? Yeah, it's really having to put yourself out there then. So it's uh, some of the key locations for sure is going to be bigger pockets because you know the the network is so huge on bigger pockets now that that truly there are people you know members of bigger pockets. Uh, I got to say everywhere throughout the United States and, yeah. and certainly now in, in many other countries as well. So uh, th- that's a huge resource. Meetup.com. Meetup.com is a great resource too, where there's a lots, uh, it's a way to find real estate groups in your area. If there are none, then it's an easy way to start one up yourself. Then the, um, of course, LinkedIn is not, is just a way to kind of add credibility to what you do. If you, so you have to use all these online resources to, to put yourself out there and make sure it's up to date, make sure people can find you. But also the, um, the different RIA groups, the real estate investment groups, there's always, uh, real estate investment groups in in every town, and um, even you know going to the courthouse steps. Okay, so typically every Friday morning in most every town on the county courthouse steps, they have the you know real estate owned bank owned auctioning off of properties. So the the process takes a while. So what do you do when you're standing around? You just start chit-chatting with everybody. And yeah. those are all buyers. And those are all people in the buyers and sellers both. And so that's a way to, to start to meet all the, the local investors in your area too. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Great tips. Yeah. I love it. Uh, cool. I want to go over to the financing real quick. And, and how are you actually, I mean, are these all loans? Are they seller finance? What are they? How are you getting them? So personally for me, I like a lower interest rate. So in the end, I always end up with a conventional loan. Okay. And, and so in the end, I've always got 20, 25% equity in. But as far as how I go about purchasing them, it's either typically now it's uh, using a line of credit 
uh, that, have, that have got established. Uh, and I have a couple of different lines of credit. Some, one line is on my personal residence. Another is, is just a line of credit I was able to establish for the business. Another line of credit is backed by properties that I own outright. And these are little, I've got a bunch of little single family homes that one of them, for example, doesn't have a foundation. And so a bank isn't going to lend on it. Uh, a couple of others, the, um, the, the price, they're, they're in the thirty dollars to $50,000 range. Actually, several of them that I have are in that, that price range where it's just not worth it to a bank. Banks oftentimes yep. don't want to lend out typically less than $40,000. And the closing costs involved in closing on, on you know, even a $40,000, $50,000 loan, you know, kind of add up. I mean, for them, it's the same amount of paperwork uh, for a bank to close a forty fifty thousand dollar loan than to close a one two three million dollar loan, so obviously they're going to prefer the the higher loans so on those ones, I was able to get a, a line of equity without having to go through the appraisal process because what we agreed on with the bank was just to go ahead and use the the county assessor's uh, price so Typically, a county assessor's price is a little bit on the low side, so they're comfortable with using that number. I was fine with it because I've got enough. I'm not trying to milk out every nickel and, and dime. So what I've said is, okay, every time I take on a property that I own, that I purchase outright, these, these little bitty ones, then they just keep upping my line of credit by that much. So if I buy a $30,000 one, they will give me... 80% of that $30,000, they just added onto my line of credit, no closing costs, no uh, appraisals, it's just a piece of paper. And huh. So they're not charging me, yeah, they're not charging me at one point or anything else like that's that. That's cool. And that, that is kind of, almost, would I be correct in assuming that's the commercial loan department at that bank? Well, that, um, how's that work? Yeah, there are different banks that do differently. So, uh, it, a lot of the larger, so this, I use now just all smaller banks. Mm -hmm. So I have loans at, at several different smaller banks because what I found is that when you, when you go to the bigger banks, you know, Wells Fargo, Bank America, Chase, and, and all of them, they are much more stringent and they are definitely looking for large, you know, large loans. Yeah. But the smaller banks, I've got, typically do consider you know one to four units as being a residential loan and five plus a commercial loan five plus actually it has to be a commercial loan regardless sure but there are some banks that will also treat the one to four units as a commercial loan so I have a, there's a particular credit union in in my area that that treats them that way the interest rate is is a little bit higher on commercial loans typically it runs one point higher uh, commercial versus uh, residential loan has been in my experience but at least they qual and I use them always in the beginning because they would qualify the loan based on the cash flow of the property not based upon my debt to income uh, ratio it was my debt to income ratio was holding me back. I had good credit, but because I wasn't, I didn't have a paycheck in the beginning. That's what the that's what was holding me back. But uh, now I've got enough years of um, you know uh, tax returns that I can show my income, and now my my debt to income ratio is much better 
and it allows me to get some residential loans. But this um, line of credit with the houses, it's at uh, four and a half percent. It floats. It's a two point margin. So now it's at four and a half percent, but it could float upwards if interest rates did uh, did go up. And um, it's only fifty dollars a year is the maintenance fee on it. Wow. So it's a great loan. Yeah, that's great. Now, let me ask you, did you go to the bank and say, hey, this is the kind of loan I'm looking for? Or did you go to them and say, I want to work with you. What can we work out? I went and said, I want to work with you. What can we work out? Cool. It was, and I, I found that um, just talking to the, the branch manager, and I started out in the beginning, you know, they would, they would put me in touch with uh, a banker. And I start my relationships with always with them first, but I then very quickly got to know the branch manager. And so getting to know the branch manager really, in my opinion, helps out tremendously. Yeah. And it was, you know, a matter of I came in, I came in fully prepared. So I, you know, I had tax returns, I had my, you know, financial statement and uh, both my personal financial statement, my business financial statement, they could, they could see everything, my profit and loss statements. So, you know, bring that in and show them this is who I am. And I started working out, you know, tell me what, what's available, what can you do? And then I would start to run ideas past them. And so it was definitely kind of both ways. That's cool. And that, that just kind of illustrates how flexible, especially like commercial lending or small banks, those like it, it isn't like a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan. It's not like this is what we'll do for you, A, B, C, D, E, and you have to have it, E, F, G, whatever. Right. So like they move around. I got a friend who's kind of one of my mentors that we're going to get here on the show pretty soon, I think. But, uh, he, he has this awesome loan where they, they, I mean, they customize it just for him and his business models. Mm-hmm. He goes and buys properties with a huge line of credit. And then as soon as he buys them, they transfer it to a fixed rate mortgage through that bank as well. And it, yeah. he just buys. And he's basically doing that Burr strategy, right? The buy, rehab, yeah. rent, refinance, repeat. And it's all within this one loan package through a local awesome. lender. It's awesome, right? Like, I need him to like introduce me to his the guy who did that for him and have him do it for me because it's just yeah it's, it's amazing cool. how much banks can actually do i mean it they don't have to do just one loan on one property they can do one loan on multiple properties and they can you know of course do the the line of equities they also one of the things i, I didn't I had no idea but i just assumed you know in the beginning that they would have to send out an appraiser I had no idea that they would just yeah. base it upon the uh, county assessor's site. It's like, oh. Yeah, I've not heard of that, but it makes, yeah. you know, they That's can do, they were they can do what do. they want. So different banks. And, and it, what I noticed too is, you know, so banks have, at some times they're, they're cash heavy and they need to make loans. And other times then, you know, they're, they're, and you'll notice this, that sometimes they're advertising, really pushing, trying to open up new accounts. And so they're, they're giving out, you know, we'll, you know, give you $50 if you open a new account, that sort of thing. So then you know the bank actually needs cash. All right. So that's probably the time not to necessarily start approaching them for loans. That's interesting. Yeah, it's but great. When they start advertising auto loans and here's our, you know, rates and stuff, okay, now you know they're they're flush with cash. And so they 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 go back and forth this balancing act for them. And so that's the times you want it and you want to hit them up. And so definitely it's, it's advantageous to work with multiple banks for that reason too. Smart guy. Yeah. I never heard that before. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. So I got a quick question. Take us back a little bit and then want to continue to kind of move forward here. You quit your job. I'm sure Mm -hmm. you were doing pretty well when you quit your job Mm -hmm. Um, and you, you said, Hey, I'm going to have a year where I can survive. 
Yeah. When you bought that first property and then the, the subsequent properties that followed, what did you do with the revenue generated from the property? Uh, did you in, put everything in, back into the portfolio or did you start to take money out as a salary? How'd you do that? I've never actually taken a salary. So I've I so, only, yeah, I, you know, some, some people do, they, they pay themselves a specific salary. I, I don't, I just, I try and live as meager as, as I possibly can. And I then try and reinvest everything that I possibly can. So in the beginning, I went and I was scrubbing the toilets, you know, when the tenants moved out and I was the one who was doing all the, the work. I was the one who was sheetrocking and painting and doing all that because in the very beginning, I had that time available. Now, over time, then, as soon as I bought then the next property, okay, now I have a little bit less time. So then I figured out, well, what's the thing that I really don't, you know, dislike, don't want to do? Okay, the toilets. All right? So uh, I... So always falls back yeah. to the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> so I hire, you know, the uh, housekeepers. I, I have the housekeeper help me out. And, you know, it's just on an on-call hourly basis. And then pretty soon it's the maintenance, you know, becomes a little cumbersome. And so now I'm hiring out the maintenance. And then after that, I, I needed uh, somebody just to help me out with answering the phone calls, admin work type of works. And so then I, I hired my, my first admin. And then so little by little, now I have five full-time staff members in, in my office and I have two virtual assistants that I'm using. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's, that's great. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today.
Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Are you about to sell a property? Wait like 60 seconds because this could save you thousands. Our friends at 1031 Pros have saved their clients more than half a billion dollars, with a B, in taxes with 1031 tax-deferred exchanges. With the 1031 exchange, you can say goodbye to the huge capital gains taxes when selling and roll your property's profit into another investment that can make you even more. Whether you're an individual investor, part of a larger group, or a title or real estate agent, 1031 Pros is ready to help. Trust me, I've done 1031 exchanges on multiple properties before, and it has saved me tens of thousands in taxes, if not more. With over 30 years of experience, 1031 Pros has handled over 20,000 audit-free exchanges, and they specialize in all types of exchanges, delayed, simultaneous, reverse, and improvement exchanges in all 50 states. And right now, Bigger Pockets listeners can get $250 off any exchange by visiting my1031pros.com slash BP. That's my1031pros.com slash BP to get $250 off today. Oh, and make sure to mention Bigger Pockets when you call. They take care of our people over there. Uh, so okay, uh, I'm assuming in your office you are an agent as well, a broker, correct? Yeah. So, so uh, how many of them are salespeople versus in infrastructure? So I kind of have under my LLC is is kind of an umbrella. I have I'm I have two. And I'm pushing the cat out of my way. Sorry, I have two uh, cat, cat people. <laughs> Great, <laughs> wonderful. Can we on the show now? That's I think that's why you invited me on. Yeah, wow. yep, yeah, because awesome. I like cat people. So um, I have under my LLC. I have essentially two businesses going. I have my property management business, and then I also have my real estate business. I have five real estate agents that work under my license. They're doing traditional, uh, you know, representing the buyers and sellers. One of them specifically is pretty much just multifamily only. All right. So then I'm able to, it's, it's definitely works out well because even though I'm, I, I don't consider myself a, a traditional agent. I, I, I have bought and sold many times, but it's not the career path I, I wanted. The, I was actually very reluctant to, to become an agent. I was kind of really in the beginning fighting with department of licensing, saying, you know, come on, I don't, I don't want to have to get my license. I, I want to manage for others, but, you know, they required in the state of Washington and pretty much most states require that, that you actually have a real estate license to manage for others, which I think is kind of crazy too. Cause I, I do too. Yeah. I mean, you can manage thousands of your own properties, yep. Yep. you know, 
And but you I have to have a salesperson license, license in order to manage my neighbors. And the salesperson license doesn't actually educate you on how to get yeah. a tenant's yeah. toilets, yeah, at all. No, investing in real estate, or right. anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. But yeah, but to manage one, you know, your next door neighbor's property, you want nope. to manage that property, you have to have a license for it. So, yeah. yeah. So I had to get a license. <laughs> now, having gotten the license then, Ooh. I just... I had agents approach me and they said, oh, you know, how much would you take? Well, I figured, you know what, uh, I'm just going to take a very small cut. And so as a result, what I've gotten is established agents because I'm not in the position to be out there training new agents, but I've gotten established agents who just want to have a, you know, a smaller you know, percentage taken uh, from them. And so now I've got five that are, that are working under me. So that's actually worked out really well. It's kind of really more of a side business uh, for yeah. me as a result of having the, the uh, that's great. license. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. kind of a cool idea. I never really thought about that as just, uh, you know, I've, I've been where you are, or I, I am where you were in that I struggle, yeah. I, I battle with should I get my license or not, you know, and I go back and forth and I took the test. I mean, I took the class once and never took the test and that was probably a mistake, but like, and now I don't want to go the 90 <laughs> hours and go redo it. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. But it's kind of a cool idea just to get my license. At least then I can become a broker later on. I think what you have to do two years or something like that. Yeah. So state of Washington is three years, which is pretty typical. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that most states are the same thing where you have to be licensed under somebody else for three years. The whole idea is that it's kind of like an internship yeah. where you're actually learning from an experienced broker on you know what does it take. And, and so it actually is a very good thing. So as, as a managing broker, it just means also that you're responsible though for every single transaction. So every single transaction that these five agents are doing, believe me, I spend a lot of time on the paperwork reviewing it to make sure that it's absolutely 100% correct. And if not, I kick it back. Uh, to make sure that, you know, because I am ultimately responsible. So as an agent, yes, Brandon, definitely, you got to get your license, get it now, because it does take three years to yeah. then go out on your own, right? And and so the, the thing is, is that if, let's say, you know, this next month you decide, hey, I really do want to follow through and, and make my wife go, you know, start up a property management company, yep. then... Uh, you know, you're going to be kicking yourself. That, Make uh, my wife it. start a property <laughs> management company. I don't know about you guys. There, I can't yeah. make my wife do anything. There's a backstory here. But isn't that what this is all about? This I is the this. only reason I came on. You know, I know, well, back, I know backstory. So you brought like, it up. You can't make any. I mean, like, I, 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 listen, any right. if you're listening, I would never try to make you do anything. I love you, and uh, I don't know about Brandon. I can and, try. And it Heather, doesn't mean but, I'll succeed. You know. You know I okay. Can, no. Okay. So th- this is the backstory, right? So and we'll we'll go there next because uh, you brought it up. So me and Enrique actually met at a Bigger Pockets get together, a meetup. There was probably forty or fifty people there, and at one point, everybody went around this big, huge table. We were at the Ram Restaurant up in Lakewood. Everyone went around and said what they did, and we got to Enrique, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm not much. I just have a hundred properties and manage five hundred, and I'm like. That guy, I got to go talk to him, right? Because you, when you go to those meetups, you go and talk to people you want to become like. Like, I'm a big believer in that. Find the person at the next level and go talk to them, right? And so Enrique is at the next level. And so I'm like, I got to go. So I went and cornered him and like, we got to talk. And so in that conversation- You do like the corners. I do like the corners. <laughs> <laughs> so we started talking and I just asked him like, you know, we, my wife and I have been thinking of starting a property management business. Uh, should we do it? And that's what kicked this whole thing off. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you that again, Enrique. Yeah. Should me and my wife start a property management? <laughs> yeah, pro- so you definitely should. You really should. So that's the thing is that th- there's so many 
you know, economies of scale. And there's so many things that, that if you're managing a few properties of your own to begin with, that it just makes sense to take it to the next level. And that is, you know, managing for other owners. So if you're in, you know, in the very beginning, I was using Excel spreadsheets and then I was using QuickBooks and then I used Google Docs online to be able to create online applications and, I, you know, fed that all in to, to Google Docs. I eventually then got over to a uh, property management software company and so that uh, it allows me to manage all the, the maintenance aspect of things as well as the accounting portion and the rental applications and, and all. So if you're going to go to the trouble of, you know, I would, I would actually need all that stuff anyway just to manage 100 units anyway. So since I already am paying for all those things, I already have that set up. And now with, with 100 units too, I needed an office space so that people can come, you know, to actually have a location. Whereas in the, you know, in the very beginning, I was just working out of my house, like, you know, so many other people start out. And so if you have that all already, it just makes sense. Why not manage for yeah. other people? So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's worked out well. That makes sense. Makes sense. Well, cool. Um, I think we probably will at some point open a property management company. I, yeah. I heard about. Someday. I will do it. Uh, I'm actually hoping to get my license probably this winter. I know I've been saying that here on the podcast for like a year, but uh, when things slow down a little bit this winter, I'm going to get my license uh, at least because, like, right. for the reason yeah. you said, slow three, down post three years. Yeah, post book launch. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, because like you said, three years from now, we might, might want it. Now there isn't a rule, and I don't know the whole rule. Maybe you know it. If you've been involved in real estate for a number of years, I think it's like three years, but not been an agent, you can take like the test and become a property manager still. Have you heard that? There's some weird exception. Yeah. Okay, so there is. There's a waiver. You can contact the Department of Licensing and request a waiver for the number of years. And so it is possible to, to do. Uh, I didn't do that. I you know, just was a good boy and followed the steps. But, but if you want to be a rebel and, and <laughs> you just want to you know, do things your way, then yes, I would suggest contacting the Department of Licensing and ask them a great tip. how much of my experience can count towards that three years experience. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I think I'll probably look into it. So anyway, very very cool. Uh, I I will get my license. I I promise you. I promise everybody this. I'm gonna do it at least some point. Uh, so cool. All right. Well, we got to get out of here pretty soon. But before we do, I wanted to kind of wrap up with one final question before the fire round, and that is, do you think do you recommend every investor should get their real estate license? Yes, I think so. The the thing of it is is that there are also when you get your license, you know, the first two years, you, you got to hang it under somebody. However, that being said, there are you really got to shop around for a managing broker because the fees vary wildly. If you go work for a large uh, franchise, you know, Remax, Windermere, one of these larger ones like that, of course, they're going to have some pretty high fees involved. But usually an individual doesn't charge uh, nearly so much. And if you just need a place to hang it, oftentimes I mean, you can even sometimes just get them to hang it for free and just say that. Ah. And as a matter of fact, yeah, one of the agents that I've got, he might do one a, a year. And so I don't charge him anything. I just do a, a, you know, a cut, a percentage when he actually sell something. And that's just because he just wants to have it on the side because he really wants to be able to look on the MLS yep. directly himself, see all the private notes. There are 
there is a private notes section in the MLS that only agents can see. There's, there's two boxes of public remarks and private remarks. And so the private remarks can, can get you a lot of information that the, that you can't get just by uh, looking online. So there's, there are definite advantages to becoming an agent and the cost isn't really that much in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. But, um, you convinced me. <laughs> I, like I want to know that private stuff. So cool. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we move on? Uh, right before we do get to the fire round, let's have our sponsor of the fire round. All right. Today's sponsor is Fresh Books. So if you are a real estate hustler, you probably end up billing people for stuff quite often, like late rent, contracting work, etc. I know that I do, which is why I am a huge fan of Fresh Books and I recommend them all the time. FreshBooks is an incredibly easy to use invoicing software designed to help entrepreneurs get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. You can also use it to keep track of your employees' hours, track expenses, and generate awesome reports. So bill like a boss. Try FreshBooks free for 30 days. Just go to freshbooks.com slash biggerpockets and enter biggerpockets in the how did you hear about us section when signing up. It's time for the fire round. All right, this is the world famous fire round. These questions come direct out of the Bigger Pockets forum. So let's get to it. Number one, a user asked, I'm looking to buy a property for under $45,000 as a cash flowing property. Uh, from your experience as a first property, should I buy an apartment like a condo or a single family house? Okay. So, as my opinion is, get as many units as you possibly can under one roof. That's just been my personal experience, has worked out uh, to cash flow better. Okay, but they've only got forty-five grand. So if they yeah. can't find a duplex, what do they choose? Condo well, Detroit, or they could get like oh, okay. a thirty-plex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. If you've got forty-five grand, well, then then maybe you network and meet with somebody, and then you you go in. You know, maybe somebody else has another forty-five grand, and you Good put tip. your two forty-fives together, and and there you go. You've got a lot more purchasing power. Cool. Good and tip. forty-five grand is is not a terrible down payment on a property yeah. in a yeah. rural. Yeah, rural area. Yeah. All right. What kind of education is needed to build a successful property management business? Yeah. So that's a, the first thing you need to do is just know what you're doing. I mean, uh, and and so you can go about it a couple of ways. I mean, yeah, you can you can start buying your own properties, and then you just kind of you know hard knocks, figure it out. You can also then just go work for another management company, and so that's where I would definitely steer somebody if they don't have you know a lot of money to to start with, is go work for another property management company because there you will get paid to. You know, may not be very much, but you'll you'll get paid to learn. Right cool, on. cool, perfect, cool, awesome. All right, next one. Should I hire a property management company to manage my triplex if I'm living in it? So I'm living in one unit, renting there two. Should I hire somebody to take care of it? No. So <laughs> yeah, my experience has been live-in managers, uh, and so I've had a few over the years. They start out great. No, I don't think she's asking about hiring a living manager. Yeah, they actually live in it. She lives in one of the units, and instead of actually managing the two other units in her own building, she wants to hire somebody or is wondering if she should. No, I don't think it's worth... I mean, if you're living next door, if you're in a duplex, a triplex, and you're living there... 
it's going to drive you crazy, I think, to have to go through somebody else. I, I would just say, no, just be the landlord yourself and uh, now manage it yourself. If, if you're not a confrontational person, which is, you know, people are afraid to ask for the rent or they're afraid to say, no, you can't pay late, you got to pay on time, then you need to, well, if you're going to continue in the business, you need to <laughs> get a little Grow tough. Up here. <laughs> <laughs> then you, you can get somebody to help you with that specific thing, but don't hire a management company for if you right. live there. Fair enough. There Fair you enough. go. All right, last question of the fire round. What questions should I ask when interviewing a property management company? So give me your top three questions to ask a property manager during an interview. Oh, well, actually, just go on bigger pockets because it's been talked about so many times. You can <laughs> so see. many times. Oh, don't cop out, though, Enrique. What are your favorites? <laughs> yeah, what should you ask management company? All right, so you got to ask them all their fees because there are a lot of different fees that different companies charge. Uh, we just charge a percentage of rents collected. But a lot of other people will charge a lease-up fee. In addition to that, they will charge an um, annual inspection fee. They will charge a, a fee for when the tenant moves out. I mean, there's, oh my goodness, there are so many fees that you can charge. Oh, so yeah. that, that has to be really clear. That's probably the very first thing. Secondly is is get references. I'm always shocked at how many people do not. It's, it's actually pretty infrequent that I get asked for references and I always think that you should. Just like if you're going to hire an employee, you want to check their job references. Uh, you should, and if you're hiring, you know, getting a tenant, you should check their previous uh, landlord references. You should do the same in, in with a management company. Thirdly, you should take a look actually at w- how they're advertising their properties. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is, you know, take a look at the quality of their website, the quality of the photographs that they're using to advertise versus somebody else. So now we're large enough. We actually use, for example, a professional photographer. Um, and that was easy enough. I went on Craigslist and I posted an ad for a photographer and I got tons of people. You know, it just said part-time freelance photographer needed. And, and I got tons of replies. I went through, you know, all their pictures and uh, it was really easy to hire a professional photographer, but not that many management companies use one. And, That's and a great so idea. It, um, a really good how idea. they advertise. What does that cost, by the way? I mean, on average, what does it cost to, to photograph a unit? Okay, uh, hopefully my poor guy is not listening. Right? So <laughs> I I'm, I'm actually pay him only $25 per apartment and $50 for a house. Okay. If there's travel time involved, you know, he's got to go a long ways, then I'll pay him for mileage as well. Okay. But cool. Yeah, twenty five bucks to me—that's worth it. I get awesome pictures as a result. Uh, and I he's awesome, it. and his name is no. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's got a, another job where he's he's actually making money. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on man, cool. right on. Cool. Well, All right, you, uh, thank you for those, and and I think it's it time is time for else. It, is is time it time for, for the famous four. The famous four, which uh, we ask every single guest. So why don't we jump to it? Number one. What is your favorite real estate related book? Well, it was, uh, okay, actually, okay, now my favorite real estate book is, is yours, Brandon's, because uh, your guys is the bigger pockets real estate. So, and, and I don't even have notes in front of me to be able to read off the incredibly long name that, that you picked for the it. Book on investing in real estate with no and low money down. So, okay. Thank you. I could barely get it right. And I've, I've, yeah. 
don't think don't you've ever gotten it. it right, Josh. Oh, come on. Let's try man. it right Give now. Me. Let's put Josh on the spot. Josh, what's the title of my last book? The book on investing in real estate with no money whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Good try. Good try. All right. Uh, so that's that's become my cool. new favorite. In in the beginning, it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, which is you know not specifically. Actually, it's not even real estate. Uh, the, the first one that I read, but that's what really made me go for it. I would have loved to have jumped in and, and bought hotels, but that's uh, yeah. a whole lot of money needed to do that. So. Let me ask you: Are you going to eventually do that? Come soon. Yeah. Are you going to buy uh, hotels now that you're in that you've been in the industry? I would. I would love to get back to that if if ever it got to the point. But it would have to be a nice hotel. I, so, um, yeah, that, that would be awesome. But I don't know. You know, you could someday. come to, to Denver. There's a street called Colfax. And, mm. and there's like a strip of like 50 motels. I don't know that you'd want to go there without a biohazard <laughs> suit. But I'm sure you could probably pick one up for about $20,000. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds, no, Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Right on. All right. Next question. What is your favorite business book? Yeah, and so business book is is the rich dad, and so you know what? So then I started reading, you know, pretty much most of his books. Now, I'm also one to say, you know what? Go to the library. I went and got them all from the library. They're all available, and then I just started reading, you know, like crazy all sorts of books uh, from the library on, you know, on real estate, on business, and listening to audio tapes. Then and and now for me, you know, podcast. Uh, the last several years have been. You know the big thing. There's all sorts of different, uh, uh, you know, books that you can get on podcast as well. So, um, the Rich Dad Poor Dad series was what really kind of shifted my, you know, way of thinking, which it did for so many people. Right cool. on, Brandon. Do you know what a tape is? I've heard of such things. I used okay. to, you know, sit and record radio songs on a tape nice. and uh, listen to them later. Just checking. That Just was check. my jam. There you go. There you go. All right, Enrique, back to you. Hobbies. <laughs> and, you and hobbies. Yeah, well, now it really is all my time is, is definitely spent on uh, real estate and researching real estate and, and managing the, the business. But I, I do enjoy uh, mountain biking. I was big into mountain biking at, at one point uh, for one year when I was uh, very young, worked for a mountain bike manufacturer, and I felt like I was on vacation the whole year. So, but there was no money in it. <laughs> so yeah. I finally had to get back to work. Then, um, so mountain biking and skiing are just uh, things that I, I really enjoy doing. And, and there's skiing right close by to where I live too. So it's great. Oh, right on. Cool. Cool. All right. My final question. What do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? So it, a lot of these uh, meetup groups and uh, RIA groups, that uh, that I attend and, and go to, and I go to them, you know, always uh, religiously. You always see the person who shows up just once, and they always say, "Oh yeah," and I want to get into real estate, and then you never see them again anywhere ever. <laughs> and so there, it seems to me that it's just it's perseverance. You got to stick with it. It's not something that happens overnight. So if you want to become, you know, a property manager, you want to get a property management company going, it takes a long time. And so it's not that you can immediately start work and immediately earn a paycheck. You're, you know, over time, you're going to be able to, you know, really create a lot of wealth for yourself. But it just doesn't happen overnight. You've got to persevere. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That's great. All right, where can people find out more about you? Where can we find you? 
So my website is jevonsproperties.com. So it's J-E-V-O-N-S properties.com. And uh, so I have a tremendous amount of information there. I, I do have uh, my bio and, and stuff up on bigger pockets. And, and so you can definitely reach me there as well and LinkedIn and, and Facebook. So I, I try to put myself out there. Perfect. Cool. cool. Hey, I have a quick question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh. Uh, so we've got a book launch coming out. We've got the book on rental property investing and the book on managing rental properties. Names might shift a little bit from when they come out. But uh, <laughs> when we release that, we're releasing some bonus content with it. And I would love to sit down oh, with yeah. you and uh, pick your brain on the landlording side of things. We didn't even hardly touch on that today. Uh, but how you actually manage properties. Are you willing to sit down with yeah. me for a little while and we'll put it in the bonus content? Oh, well, if definitely. he's not, yeah. you know, 60,000 plus people are going to know about it. Yep. So he better. So you, better. <laughs> you just trapped him. <laughs> I did, right? Up, <laughs> I did. You like that? So oh, now, yeah. you know what? I'm like every other landlord. Uh, landlords love talking they, about We problems. do, right? I mean, yep. yeah. I, I Every time I go to a landlord, you know, association meeting, oh my goodness, you can't get people to, to <laughs> shut up about their properties. <laughs> no, I am always happy to talk about my cool. properties. Yeah. Well, we'll awesome. schedule time in the next week or so and we'll uh, we'll sit down and we'll talk and then we'll put it in the bonus content. So Perfect. <laughs> there you go. Enrique, well, listen, thanks so much for being on the show. We definitely appreciate it. Lots of great stuff. And uh, we will certainly look forward to seeing you around Bigger Pockets. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. That was fun. We'll see you around. Great. Thanks. Bye. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Enrique, thank you for being here. That was uh, that was just fantastic. I mean, yeah. really good guy. Yeah. Like I said in the show, you know, like he's definitely like, you know, the next level where I want to get to uh, very much so. So it, it was fun to take pick his brain, both in person a few weeks ago when I met him and then today. Uh, and just to bring back that, what I talked about earlier, I mean, go to those local meetups, meet with people that you want to become like, like, this is so cool. Like, and people are so willing to share. I mean, not yep. just Enrique here, but every, I mean, there's a hundred thousand Enriques or a million Enriques or more in America that you can just go meet with and talk with and learn from. So hey, get out there, go meet some, uh, somebody like Enrique and take your business to a new level. Do it, do it. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. This is show 146 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. You can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 146. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. I'm Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R, today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there.
The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.